0: 50. Genesis chapter 49, and I commence reading from verse 28. All these are the the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with a blessing suitable to to him. Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field at Machpelah uh, to the east of Mamre in the land of Canaan which Abraham bought with the field which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite possesses ...as a burying, burying site. Then th- there they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried uh, Leah. The field and the cave that is in it were bought from the Hittites. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into his bed and breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Chapter 50. Then Joseph fell on his father's face, and wept over him, and kissed him. And Joseph commanded all his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physician embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for it, for that For that is how many are required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him seventy days. And when the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If Nala found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, I am about to die. In my tomb that I healed out for myself in the land of Canaan, there shall you bury me. Now, therefore, let me please go up and bury my father. Then I will return. And Pharaoh answered, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father. With him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as the household of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's household, only their children, their flocks, and their heads were left in the land of Goshen. And there, and they went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. When they came to the threshing ford of Atad which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a great and grievous lamentation, and he made a mourning for his father seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning on the threshing f- uh, floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning by the Egyptians. Therefore the place was named Abi Mizraim, It is beyond the Jordan. Thus the sons did for him as he had commanded them. And his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field at Machpelah, to the east of Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying site. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. Amen. We live in a world with so many happenings and oftentimes we would like to have an explanation as to those things that are happening. And once in a while, in every given community, events would happen which call for a biblical reflections. Events happened that call us to to draw our attention away from the event and to what the scriptures say. It was just last Sunday evening while away in Haborone, Botswana, that I got the news of the passing on of our dear sister Nkonde Shibemba, and when I got the news, the first question that rang in my mind was, "Why, Lord? Why, Lord?" Early in that morning Sunday, I got a voice note from from the younger sister, telling us, uh, informing us that she was doing better, and most likely. She was going to be removed from oxygen and to allow her to breathe on her own. And in the course of the week, we'll see how she'll be progressing. And and I'm sure a number of us have questions arising from our minds. Maybe more so even for the siblings, the immediate family. And those questions are what I refer to as the why moments... Or the why questions. And and the problem with the why questions or the challenge with the why questions is that they are never fully answered to our satisfactions. You can continue asking why, why. Lord, we prayed. Lord, we did this. Lord, we did that. But the only comfort that we have is to turn to what the author of, of life God Himself says in his word. But more importantly, that it's such events, events like the death of the loved one or the death of the well known person, such events or the such news must bring us to ask the question if it was me, where would I be? If it was me who had died, where would I be? The Bible describes death as the last enemy. And it's because there's just something mysterious about death that even when we see that the reality or, or the the inevitable is that our loved one will soon die there's just something about that moment when the announcement is made and the bible calls death as the last enemy although people try to make light of death there's one poet who the name is James Ruswell who wrote a poem about death and was basically saying, beautiful as the feet of a friend, coming to welcome us at our journey's end is death. Now, in as much as we try to make light of death, there's still something mysterious about death. A novelist uh, by the name of Somerset Malham said, death is a very dull, monotonous affair. And my advice to you is that, is that have nothing to do with it. And though I wish that we could follow his advice, that will have nothing to do with death, but that's not the reality of life on earth. Death in an African context is a subject that we'd rather not talk about. But a man by the name of Dr. Samuel Johnson expressed what he felt when he was confronted by the death of his friends. And he wrote, At the sight of this last conflict, I felt a sensation never known to me before, a confusion of passions, an awful stillness of sorrow, a gloom terror without an aim. That's what death is. However, it is comforting to realize that in the midst of all this confusion, in the midst of all this mystery about death, to know that as Christians, we can grieve. For our loved one with a sense of hope, especially our loved one who we knew had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. We can grieve with a sense of hope. And as Christians, we should not fear death as non-Christians do. But rather, we can see that in the death of our loved one, there is a sense of hope to everyone who's entrusted their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that as we briefly consider this subject or this passage, it will bring a sense of hope to all of us, especially those of us who are Christians, and those of us who are not Christians, that it will be a means God may use to bring you to himself in salvation. The passage we've read, Genesis chapter 49, 28 through to Genesis chapter 51, uh, chapter 50, verse 1 to 14, records the death of Jacob. More space is given to his death than to any other person in Genesis, and probably even in the entire Bible, except for. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see a lot of space right from chapter forty one chapter 49, verse 1, as he begins to bless his, his sons, and then it ends with him dying. And perhaps Moses gave this lengthy treatment to remind his immediate audience, and also to remind all of us the covenant of God, the covenant promises of God, that for the immediate audience, it was concerning the land that God had promised to their forefather Abraham. But to all of us, It's not so much the land, but the salvation that is ours in Christ. To see that God himself keeps his promises. Although Jacob only possessed a burial site in Canaan, he still wanted to be buried there. Rather than stay in Egypt. Because God had promised to his fathers the land. God had promised to Abraham and to his descendant, And when Jacob died, Joseph grieved over his father. He grieved for his father. But he also grieved as one who had to hope in God's promises. And, and that's what I'll be bringing this morning that grieving for a loved one who is a Christian, we grieve with hope. We don't grieve as a sense of, from a sense or a standpoint of hopelessness, but we grieve with hope because of the promises of the covenant keeping God. God Because of the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus, and because of the abiding presence of God the Holy Spirit in us. And so let's let me draw your attention to the passage that we've read. And the first thing I want us to see that it it is proper to grieve at the death of the loved one. It is proper, it is right to grieve at the death of the loved one. And isn't it what we see in chapter 50, verse 1 through to verse 3? Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physician embalmed Israel. 40 days were required for it for that is how many are required for embalming and the egyptians wept for him 70 days when death strike it is fitting to grieve. S- some Christians have a mistaken notion that it is not spiritual to grieve. It is not spiritual to grieve at, at, at the death of a loved one. And, and, and sometimes the reasoning is that look, Christ has defeated death. And uh, 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 and the loved one is, is in heaven. And, and we should rejoice at their death. And inasmuch as that is true, the Bible says that Christ has defeated death. And all those who are his will be with him. But it is proper to grieve at the death of the loved one. And we see in that passage, Joseph was a godly man. He's a man who trusted God even when he was sent down into Egypt away from his father. He's a man who had come to experience and know God. The God that he had had known in his father's household. He, He believed that God, even in the land of Egypt. He was a godly man. But at the death of his father, he grieved. He wept. He mourned for his father. And obviously, as he, Jacob was giving these blessings to, to his children, most likely they expected that his time was coming to an end. But when that moment came and he breathed his last, they wept for him. You see, there that they, they observed 70 days of mourning plus seven more days after the funeral procession at the border of Canaan. And there's no suggestion in the text or anywhere else to, to suggest to us that Joseph was unspiritual or that he was excessive in his grief over his father. He wept for his dear beloved Father. And it is proper that when we experience grief, the loss of a loved one, the death of a loved one, we weep, we grieve. The Bible does tell us that death is the last enemy. And death is is not a natural part of us. As some would want us to believe. Yes, we know death is the greatest fact in life. One day we will all die. An announcement will be made about your death by someone. But we see when we go back to Genesis. And in Genesis 3. That death entered the human race as God's case against Sin, our sin, the sins of our forefathers. And when we read Genesis chapter 5, the human history has been marked by this grim of death. And when you read Genesis chapter 5, you read, and so and so lived so many years, and he died. He lived a hundred and what years, and he died. He lived 560 years and he died. He lived 900 years and he died. Death came because of the sin that entered this world. And we see Joseph there grieving for his father. In Egypt, and at the borders of the land of Canaan, right up to the time of burial. And when you read in Genesis 5 and verse 10, when they get to, to the land of Atad, which in Hebrew means thorn bush, it probably was a flashback to Genesis 3 where God declared that as a result of man's sin, the earth would hued thorns. And it must have been a reminder to Joseph about the reality of life on earth and how that death is as a result of sin. We grieve. Because death is not a natural part of us. It's because of our sinful nature and therefore it has become a reality, a fact of life. But also we grieve because death separates us from our loved ones. Joseph knew that his father would die. His father had advanced in years. But he still grieve because it separated him from his beloved father. He knew, Joseph knew that he would never be able to talk to his father again in this life. Joseph knew that there would be those moments when he would long for a father figure in his life. There would be those moments when he would need his wisdom. There would be those moments when he would need his guidance. But that was not to be the case, separated from his father in this life. And when you read his account in Genesis 50, he lived up to 110 years. So a a, a, a rough calculation or estimation gives us the, the idea or the picture that Joseph must have lived in Egypt at least over 50 years before he died. And there must have been the many times, many years when he longed to talk with his father about something. But he wasn't there. There must have been a sense of loneliness in the land, away from the land of promise. And you can even tell from the names he gave to the children born to him in Egypt. God has blessed me in the land of my tormentors. Even while he was in Egypt, he constantly was reminding himself with the things around, with the names of the children, that this is not my home. It's the land of my tormentors, and I must let go of this day. One day I will let go. He must have longed to share his own excitement, his parenting journey with his father. And that was not to be the case. And this is why it it is proper to grieve for our loved ones. Because death robs us of their presence, robs us of their joy, robs us of their wisdom, and everything we desired or loved about them, never to see them again in this life. And as we work through the grief, We are reminded of the truth of the scriptures. And and the funeral procession is really a reminder for those who have remained behind that one day they will die but also that this person, their loved one is no more it's not so much about the departed they've gone it's we're, we're trying to put a closure to this death to this sad news we are grieving and processing and you could see even in the, in the procession of jo- uh, joseph as Rather, a procession of Jacob, as Joseph had this huge company, his household, and as they were processing, probably remembering what their fathers taught them, they grieved just at the fact that they will never, ever see their father again. It is proper to grieve. we have a lot of memories of our loved ones. Times that we can remember of the joys, the talks, and everything we had with them. We must not hide in the veil of thinking that's unspiritual. In fact, it's unspiritual to pretend. We must properly grieve. Because grief is part of our human nature. The Lord Jesus Christ grieved at the death of Lazarus. He entered into the house of Mary and Martha and he saw them weeping. And the Lord, the Bible tells us in John 11 that he saw how they loved their brother. And he wept, the Son of God, at death. It was a sight. That was unpleasant to the Son of God. He had come to redeem man from this world and to redeem and conquer death. But still, he wept. He wept. I mean, in, Je- in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we are told not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Again, showing us that grief is very much part of us. We can grieve the Holy Spirit because of our sinful lifestyle as Christians. But one of the most difficult commands that God has given anybody is when you read Ezekiel chapter 24 in the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 24 verse 15 through to 17, where God clearly told the Ezekiel not to weep for his loved one, for his wife. But that's an exceptional and a clear command from God, and God was trying to show the nation of Israel just how much they have sinned against him. And Ezekiel was told not to weep for his beloved. But everywhere else in the scriptures you see people weeping at the death of their loved ones. Grief is normal. And it is proper to process the grief when we've lost a loved one. And it is part of how God heals us. And we see here in the life of Joseph. But secondly... Though we grieve at the death of the loved one, we have hope by faith in God's promises. Though we grieve at the death of the loved one, we have faith, we have hope by faith in God's promises. Genesis 49 we we'll read verse 29, skip to verse 33, and then we'll also see in verse 50. 49, verse 29. Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. Verse 33. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Believers do not grieve as those who have no hope. We see right at the end of Jacob, he tells his sons "I'm to be gathered to my people. Now, different commentators would argue that that is just an expression that I'm about to die. But when you read, it's more than that. It's not just the fact that I'll, be di- I'll die and be gathered to my people. He was expressing his faith and hope in the promises of God. He wasn't just saying that bury me in my ancestral uh, burial site or plot. No. Jacob wasn't just saying I'll be reunited With my ancestors, when I'm buried in the cave of Mahakpela, where others were buried. No, he was basically saying, my soul will be gathered with my ancestors in heaven the moment I expire and leave this earth. This God who appeared to Abraham, my forefather, who appeared to my father, who appeared to me, this God who's blessed me with sons, this God who moved me from Canaan, the land of famine, into the land of Egypt, he is my God. And I'll be gathered to this God with all those who've gone before me, who've expressed their hope and trust in this God. It wasn't just an issue of being put in a cave. What good would that be? Because obviously the bones of Isaac and Abraham would have been rotten by now. But it was more than that. It was hope by faith in God's promises. And you could even see, as you read verse 33 or 49. A picture of peace as he dies. Knowing where he was going to go. And we must exercise hope in God's promises by faith. Even in the death of a loved one. We must exercise hope in God's promises by faith. The author of Hebrews makes this point when he refers to the heroes of the faith, how that each one of them, without receiving their promises, they continued trusting God, looking to God, knowing the God they served, and they exercised hope in the promises of God. And they were willing to face death. They died. They were killed. They were tortured. All because of the hope they had by faith in God's promises. God had promised Jacob the land of Canaan. But he was dying in Egypt. With no claim in Canaan except the cave where his forefathers had been buried God had promised him that you make him a great nation you remember his encounter in Genesis 32 but here he was dying and In Genesis 49, by faith he blesses his 12 sons and he foretells their future as the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. By faith he made Joseph to promise to take his body to Canaan, the land that God had promised him. He would have been He would have easily been buried in the finest tombs in Egypt. But he was making a statement to be buried in the land that God had promised his fathers. And he had this hope in the God of the heavens. so he said, bury me in the cave, in the land of Canaan. Jacob's faith gave him hope in God's promises. Hope that sustained him as he faced death. And he drew, as we are told, his breath and breathed his last. Still very sure, very hopeful in the promises of God. And we must exercise faith in the promises of God as well. But we must also extend our hope in God to those who are without God and who have no hope as we mourn for our loved ones. We must extend our hope to those who are without God around us. And there's something of that when you read Genesis 50 and verse 11. When the Canaanites, the Egyptians observed the grief of Joseph, observed Joseph grieving during this period, no doubt, they must have, the Egyptian wondered why Jacob wanted to be buried in that, in that place, in the cave in Canaan. I'm sure they were asking themselves, there are beautiful tombs in Egypt, but, and Joseph is the second most powerful person in Egypt. Surely, Pharaoh would not fail to give him a burial site in Egypt. And probably as they were asking questions and wondering shows it's possible Joseph could have taken time to explain why and to show his faith in the God of his father Jacob. His father had faith in the God of his father Isaac. And he too was now showing those around that this is not just about mourning. This is an expression of our faith in God. And you too must come to know this God. James Boyce observes, and I quote, if Joseph had not expressed grief over the death of his beloved father, the Egyptians would have concluded merely that he had not cared for his father, that perhaps he was was even glad to have the old man out of his way. If he had expressed nothing but grief the Egyptians may have concluded that the hope of an afterlife by these people, that's the, Egypt, the, the Israelites, was no better than their own dark hopes and may even have been inferior to theirs. End of quote. And you could see, the Egyptians had experienced death before, but the way in which Joseph went about mourning his father, he was making a statement, I have faith in the God of my fathers, just as my father had faith in the God of his father. And we will be gathered to this God. Not just a mere speculation after the afterlife, no. Living in the presence of the God who appeared to our fathers. And then Joseph most likely, could have used this trip back to the land of Canaan as a moment of enlightening his Egyptian friends about his hope in God. The death of a Christian must be a means. To extend faith to those who do not have hope in God. As I see how people go about weeping their loved ones. It's a means for evangelism. Those of you who are here on Wednesday. The tributes that were given to various groups of people. To our dear sister departed sister clearly showed that here was a person that was indwelled by the Spirit of God. And everyone gave their own vision, their own side, the people she worked with, the friends, the people she ministered with, the KBC members, the people at SOS where she committed herself. The Spirit of God lived in Nkonde And those who were around as I heard a testimony, how the Lord saved her in 1994, wallowing in sin, and in that moment, God drew her to himself. And from that moment, everyone was able to testify of the change that had come about in her life because of the grace of God. And our funeral was that moment to remind those who are present of what God had done in our life and the hope we have in Christ Jesus. An opportunity to extend faith to those who have no faith, no hope in our God. As we grieve over the loss of our loved ones who are Christians, may our grief show us that, yes, while we are hating, we still have faith. In God, We still have hope in God. And one day we'll be united with our loved ones. And the Apostle Paul, writing about the hope that we have in Christ beyond the grave, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he argues that the basis of our resurrection, the fact that, that will be raised from the dead. It's because Christ was raised from the dead. That's the basis uh, of, of our resurrection. That's that's how come we know that we'll be raised from the dead. Because Christ, our Savior, our firstborn, has been raised from the dead. And we too will be raised with him because we've put our hope in him. And we know it for a fact. It's not just mere speculation. No, Christ was raised from the dead. And he appeared to many, the Bible tells us, to 500 plus. They saw him. And that's the basis for our resurrection. And because of his resurrection, it is the basis for hope for being united with him in heaven. This is the solid evidence we have that we will rise with him. He has conquered death, yes. Though we die physically, it will be like a gateway for us to go home. The Apostle John in Revelation, as you he saw. In Revelation 21, verse 1, he says, And he, he saw the new heavens and the new earth. And he stated, And he Christ shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall no longer be any death. There shall no no longer be any mourning or any crying or any pain. That's what God revealed to him about heaven. And this is what is true about the saints that have gone before us. Until then, death is a painful reminder of God's curse or God's punishment upon sin. We grieve because death is our enemy. We grieve because we will never see our loved ones. But we grieve with hope. Do you have this hope this morning? As you are seated here this morning, do you have this hope? If today was your last day, can we say without twisting any facts, can we say without lying that you will be in heaven based on the testimony of your salvation but also of your life? Can we say with confidence? that you will be in heaven or you are ushered into the presence of God? Or are you still counting on your religious activities, your church attendance, your church going? Are you still counting on your works? Christ died so that whosoever believes in him may find eternal life in Christ. He did not come to enhance your religious activities. He came because your religious activities are filthy as rugs in the sight of God. Only the righteousness of Christ will stand before the throne of the Almighty God. And my plea to you is that come to Him today. Life on earth is full of uncertainties. It may just be your days that will will be announced soon. Where will you spend your eternity? It is appointed for man once to die. And after that, judgment day. The appointment with death is one appointment that you will not miss. Because it was made on your behalf... By God. You don't know when that appointment is with death. You don't know how close you might be to appointment with death. But before that time comes, make things right with God. Turn away from a life of sin. Put your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will change you. He will cleanse you from your sins and will give you a heart that will love Him, a heart that would want to extend hope to the dying world, a heart that can say, though I grieve for my loved one, I have hope because of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't deceive yourself. That you continue to enjoy life into old age. Your appointment with death may be sooner than you think. May God bring him to, may God bring you to himself this morning. Amen.